welcome to Houseplant Homebody. I'm your host, Holly, and I'm here to tell you all about my favorite thing, plants. You ready? Thank you for tuning in to my very first episode on May 26, 2020. I will be talking about the oh-so-popular Sansevieria. If you want to see more from Houseplant Homebody, you can find me at Houseplant Homebody on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube, or visit my website where you can find all of those links at www.houseplant-homebody.com. That's houseplant-homebody.com. Also join me on Patreon for exclusive podcasts and YouTube episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Let's dive in. The Sansevieria is one of the most trendy plants right now, probably around the world because it's so easy to take care of, and it's considered a type of succulent, so they don't need a lot of water. We'll talk about that later. You can find them in staged houses. You see them all over magazines nowadays, and you can also find a ton of different varieties at almost any garden center, greenhouse, or nursery you go to. I keep calling these Sansevieria. A lot of people have different pronunciations for the plant. It's also commonly known as snake plant or mother-in-law's tongue. Um, So if you hear them reference that, that is also Sansevieria. So there's some other names that are thrown out there just in case you run into them while you're looking for your plants. They are part of the asparagus family, which kind of surprised me. I also learned that the Dracaena, Yucca, Agave, even Hasta or Lily of the Valley is also part of the asparagus family. So, fun facts there. There are a few different species types that are very common. I'll just name a couple so you guys know them. Trifasciata is one of them. That Latin name is also with the regular taller varieties of Sansevieria and the dwarf Sansevieria. So, you can find Sansevieria trifasciata in both of those varieties. Masoniana is another Latin name. It actually is a little bit more trendy these days. It's commonly known as the whale fin Sansevieria, and it is a very, very large leaf, and it grows very, very slow. Um, We'll get into more detail on varieties in later episodes, but that one is coming into perspective more and more these days, especially on social media. I'm seeing it everywhere, so it's very, very cool, though. Zelenica and Aranbergii are a couple more. Fishery, Patens, Parva, all other ones that you'll find in the mix of different species out there. But you're probably going to know them based on their cultivar name, and which I'll go over now. But just so you have all the facts, I wanted to provide the actual species names for you. Eventually, we'll talk about specific cultivars in detail, but I'll just go over the simple basics of the snake plant for now. So, The next cultivars that I'll talk about are Laurentii, which is a very common one. That one has the yellow variegated stripes up the side of the leaves. Another one is called Bantel Sensation, actually one of my favorites in a variety I currently don't have and I desperately want, but they're actually very, very light colored foliage, almost like a pale blue, sometimes gray looking foliage. Super cool. 
Other ones are Black Gold. It's a darker, dark green foliage. Moonshine is a little bit thicker leaf and a very pale blue, similar to the Bantel Sensation, just not as gray looking, a little bit more of a, like a lighter blue. There's Cylindrica, which is just as it sounds. It's like a round tube as a leaf <laughs> with a pointy top. Mason Congo is one of those whale fin varieties that I was talking about earlier. Futura Robusta is another one. The Twist is a mini variety, dwarf variety. And there is Bird's Nest Golden Honey Eye. And there's this regular Bird's Nest Honey Eye as well. The difference is the gold one has a gold variegation up the leaf. And the regular Honey Eye is just a plain green leaf with a little bit of the green pattern leaf as you see commonly on Sansevieria. When I was doing the tropical ordering in the garden center I worked at, the Laurentii, the black gold, probably the Cylindrica was the most common varieties I was able to order. More recently, the bird's nest became a little bit more popular, but you can find the Laurentii or the black gold probably anywhere you go. The other varieties, you probably need to find a houseplant specialized shop. That way they can get you the exact variety and they probably know a little bit more about it than your regular garden center. Um, so that's just my advice. But the Laurentii and the Black Gold and the Cylindrica, you're probably gonna be able to find. Bird's nest is very common nowadays too. So now I'm gonna talk about the Sansevieria as if it were a landscape plant. So where you can find this, where it originates from, how it grows in nature, that kind of thing. It was originally primarily from Africa and Southern Asia. The hardiness zone on the Sansevieria is between 10 and 12, right around there. Just to put it into perspective, the hardiness zone where I live in southeastern Wisconsin is at a 5. So there's no way you're going to find this guy in our nature at all. Water-resistant leaf fibers have been used for ropes and bowstrings. It's considered to grow in clumps of reaching about three feet wide, three feet tall, depending on the species, obviously, you're looking at. It is very intolerant of freezing temperatures, so even as a houseplant, you want to make sure it doesn't get below about 60 degrees. They prefer to be in part to full shade. They will burn if they're in too much sun, for example. I got my sister a Sansevieria houseplant last year and we left it on, I think it was like the southeast side of her house, and we left it outside one sunny day and it burned a good chunk of the leaves. I cut out half of them, but then there was like burn marks on part of the existing leaves that is still happening right now, but it's too sad to cut all of them off, so we just left it. <laughs> so make sure you don't have it in too much sun. You will need to water it occasionally once it's established as a landscape plant, but probably rarely. The Sansevieria spreads through creeping rhizomes, which is actually very similar to how irises spread here in the Midwest. You see them all the time. You can also divide the Sansevieria about every five years. I saw like mixed reviews on where I got my information and how long it would take, but the consensus was about five years and you could divide it. So. That's everything you need to know about the Sansevieria taking care of it as a landscape plant. Um, but now we're going to talk about it as a house plant, which is probably why most of you are here. <laughs> 
One thing I did forget to mention was the Sansevieria does bloom. It actually has white small tubular flowers that come up out of a kind of a stalk in the center of the plant usually. So in those zones of 10 to 12, you're going to see them. But as a house plant, you're rarely going to see them unless they're placed in bright indirect light, have the right humidity, um, and in kind of the perfect environment. For example, actually in the greenhouse I worked at, the garden center I worked at, we had a greenhouse where we kept all the tropicals. And we had one Sansevieria that was in there all season. We never sold it, so obviously we kept it. And the middle of the plant actually formed a flower being in the temperature and the heat it was in the greenhouse all summer long. So that was kind of cool to see that form. And it was still forming the flowers even when we brought it inside in the drier temperatures and the drier environment. So that was cool to see the very, very small white flowers that comes out of it. In regards to sunlight, it's similar to what I was talking about with the landscape plant. Obviously, my experience with my sister's plant. So make sure you have it in not full sun. It can tolerate very low light. For example, I currently have one about 15 feet away from a north window and it's doing fine and producing new leaves. But I also have some just sitting in the room that face, let's see, west and those are doing great too. So as long as it's not in direct sunlight for a good chunk of the day, it's fine. The varieties that have a little bit more variegation with the yellow or the white stripes or the lighter color foliage tends to want a little bit more sunlight. So if you can put it in an indirect bright light, that would be fine. For watering, kind of depends on your situation. Since they're considered a succulent, they actually don't need a lot of water, and the number one cause of killing them is overwatering them. I killed a, my, the biggest one I had was in a 12-inch pot. I killed it because I overwatered it. Granted, I cut the leaves off and I rooted a couple of them, so I got a couple plants out of it, but still, it was very sad. So, it's almost better to forget to water them than to overwater them. And if you think it's starting to look bad because it's yellowing or it's getting, it, it feels kind of mushy, that's when you know you overwatered it. The leaves will start to shrivel a bit if it's being underwatered. So that's kind of the difference that you can see. It takes a lot to underwater these plants if you have it as a house plant. Underwatering it, I think it would probably take like months before you it was considered underwatered. So you really have to worry about overwatering it than underwatering it. You want to make sure you're watering consistently from spring to fall because the plant is more active in spring through fall. Active meaning it takes up more water, it's producing new leaves, that kind of thing. I water mine probably every week and a half, two weeks, depending on if it's in a window or not. It also depends on what pot you have it in. So if you have a Sansevieria in a pot that has drainage, then you're going to water it a little bit more frequently than if you have the plant in a pot that does not have drainage in the base of the pot. So the ones that I don't have drainage in the pot, I probably water them every two to three weeks. 
even in the active season just because I'm afraid of root rot and it's better for them to dry out completely between watering versus the ones that have drainage. I probably water them every week and a half, two weeks. If you don't have a pot with the drainage hole at the bottom, you can put rocks in the bottom of your pot and that will also help with the drainage. In the inactive season, you're going to be watering this plant a lot less. I probably water it every month even with the pots with drainage. Um, without drainage, I could probably go a month and a half and they'll be fine. Just they're not using as much water because they're not actively trying to grow or produce new leaves. So it's a lot less watering necessary. So moral of the watering story, don't overwater it. <laughs> Okay, so now we will talk about fertilizers, how much you should use, if you should use them, that kind of thing. I did some research online and I also have a few houseplant books that I looked through before I really delve into this section simply because I know what I do, I know what works, but I kind of wanted to see what other places were saying. So there are a few different ways you can fertilize your Sansevieria. One, you can apply half strength fertilizer cactus fertilizer specifically, once a year in spring. That was in my book called Practical Cactus and Succulent Book by Fran Bailey and Zia Alloway. The second method would be to feed monthly from spring through fall with a regular houseplant fertilizer at half strength again. The book I found that was the Complete Houseplant Survival Manual by Barbara Pleasant and I found it online on a website called Plantarina. On Plantarina, they sell a ton of different houseplants, they provide some care information, and they have a YouTube channel about plants and care and all that good stuff. I follow them on Instagram too, they're really cool, they have really, really fun videos. Anyway, the other thing that Plantarina said and that I actually do is I use a slow-release fertilizer and I just apply it in spring right when the plant starts to become in that active growth stage, and I apply it in probably late February, early March is when I put it, I just put it on top of the soil and it waters through. So that way it has a slow release fertilizer. It's not going to be burning the plant or anything. You don't have to worry about over fertilizing and it will sustain for at least five to six months. So that's what I do. I get my slow release fertilizer from really any garden center. I've always gotten it at the garden center I worked at. My favorite is Espoma Organic Fertilizers. But there's also Miracle-Gro that carries slow-release fertilizers. Schultz is another brand. Scott's has several different brands of fertilizers. One of them is Osmocote that I've used in the past also. Um, Bonide has a line of houseplant fertilizers and pesticides. And Fox Farm is another brand that is a good one too. If you're into more of the organic products and you're looking for more of an organic-based product for fertilizing or anything like that, Espoma and Fox Farm are the two products that you want to look at because those are great. I'm sure there's several other brands and types out there that I am not particularly familiar with, but those are just the ones that I've personally worked with. Um, and Espoma I use on my plants outside as well as my indoor plants. So that's what I would recommend, but there's lots of options out there. So if you have any suggestions, feel free to message me and I'll be happy to put it on my social media or combining it with this podcast in the future or any posts that I have about Sansevieria. 
I would also like to include it when I do the specific cultivar episodes as well, so don't hesitate to message me. The next topic we're going to talk about are the problems that Sansevieria could have, whether it's diseases or just foliage problems or whatnot. So they are actually not prone to get pests often, but they can get several different things. Probably the couple most common that houseplant owners find are mealybugs and spider mites. So there are a few different ways to get rid of those. Mealybugs, probably the most common thing I found online in books or what I use is that just rubbing alcohol and removing them by hand with a q-tip or whatever you got is the best way to get rid of them. They love to grow on new leaves and kind of nooks and crannies, so make sure you're checking in and within the leaves. I would check and maybe scrub down the plant with the rubbing alcohol in the spots that they've been every week, week and a half or so. Spider mites are somewhat hard to get rid of if you caught it too late. So one way you can actually prevent spider mites is misting your plant every once in a while. Spider mites thrive in very dry conditions. So around here, we really have to make sure that we're misting the plant in winter because it gets very dry in winter here. There are brands that carry houseplant insect and disease control products, like I talked about earlier, Bonite is one of them, that you can use as an insect spray or a houseplant systemic or insecticidal soap. Any of that stuff will also help with getting rid of these insects or diseases or preventing them as well. You can also clean your plant's leaves every once in a while, which can also prevent pests, diseases, and it actually optimizes the plant's function. Since photosynthesis goes through the leaves, if the leaves are all dusty, then it can't do its job as well. So now we're going to talk about propagation, which has become very, very common, and it's actually decently easy with Sansevieria if you have patience. So there's multiple ways to do it. I will share with you what I found online, in the textbooks, and what I do. So what you'll start by doing is just cutting off the leaves of your plant. Whether it's, like I said earlier, I had a plant that kind of root rot and the top of the leaves were fine, but all the bottom of the leaves seemed to be a little bit mushy, so I just cut the top of the leaves off. Or if you have a healthy plant that's getting thicker and you want to thin it out a bit and you want to try to root your own, that's fine too. Just make a sharp cut of the leaf and you can either cut them into sections per leaf or you can leave them as just the full leaves. You can stick it directly in the soil or you can root the plant in water. So that's kind of the two main ways you do it. I have successfully rooted it in water, but I know a lot of other people that have successfully rooted it in soil. Keep in mind when you're placing the plant in the water or the soil, you want to make sure that the bottom of the leaf is always facing down because the leaf is not going to grow upside down. Come on. So that's what you have to do to propagate. Keep in mind, some of these will fail. And if they do, if for some reason the base of the leaf that you put in water or in soil rots, just cut it right above the rot and try again. It takes a little bit of time. I would probably give it a couple months before you really start seeing a good chunk of roots and it might even be longer before you can place it in the soil. So just be patient and it may take a few times before you get the hang of it. 
have some other facts for you guys besides what I talked about earlier. Just a few talking points I wanted to go over that didn't really fit in those other categories. So one is that these plants, the Sansevierias, are not pet friendly. So make sure you're keeping out of reach of your cats, your dogs, and just make sure they can't get to them. Another point I wanted to bring up is the Sansevieria does not rely on high humidity levels like some other houseplants do. So they don't need much extra care into adding humidity into their environment. Like I said earlier though, spritzing or like spraying with a spray bottle can add humidity to your houseplant. It can also prevent spider mites. So if you wanted to spritz your Sansevieria every once in a while, it's not going to hurt it at all. Humidity is fine for it, but it can thrive in an area that does not have high humidity levels. Another point I wanted to talk about was the Sansevieria does best in tightly packed pots. So they are okay with being a little bit root bound. If you give them too much room, they tend to loosen up a bit um, and they don't like it. So make sure you're planting them in a pot that is not much bigger than a pot they are already in. My last point I wanted to bring up is try to keep this plant in a consistent 60 degree Fahrenheit or warmer temperature simply because they are very intolerant of the cold. So keep them out of drafty windows and doors. So let's recap everything that we went over. The Sansevieria comes in taller and dwarf varieties. The taller varieties include Laurentii, Black Gold, and Bantle Sensation. The dwarf varieties are commonly called Bird's Nest Sansevieria. They come in shades of green with white, copper, or yellow variegation up the side of the leaf or sometimes they're just different shades of green. The next point that we went over is just make sure you do not overwater these. These guys are virtually indestructible unless you overwater them. Remember, they're considered a succulent, so it's better to forget about it than water it too much. Another point that we went over is that you can fertilize these. I use a slow-release fertilizer in early spring, and that's all I use for the whole year, but you can also use a half-strength houseplant or cactus fertilizer as part of your fertilization. And lastly, these plants are easy to propagate. Whether it's in soil or in water, you can propagate them either way. Me personally, I have successfully propagated them in water with cutting a V in the bottom of the leaf and it worked fine. Thank you for listening to this very first episode of Houseplant Homebody, all about Sansevieria. It was a blast to learn how to create a podcast while learning all about plants. And this is just a reminder that you can find more at Houseplant Homebody on Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, and YouTube. Or visit my website where you can find all of those links at www.houseplant-homebody.com. Don't forget to join me on Patreon also for exclusive podcasts and YouTube episodes, early access to podcasts, and exclusive content. Your support means the world, and I can't wait to bring you guys more and more plant bios and info. Don't forget to check back every Tuesday for new podcasts and YouTube episodes. From one houseplant homebody to another, see you next time.